Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, the baseball season is, of course, finished, so I won't be on it as much looking for tickets for baseball, or at all, really. I mean, what games are there? But uh, comedy is is a big thing I like to enjoy during the winter. And so you can st- you can use SeatGeek for everything else. Concerts, that's kind of all-encompassing when it comes to comedy shows, um, you know, theater shows, actual, con- you know, music concerts, all sorts of different stuff. Uh, they got Broadway, music festivals, they got everything on there. So you can still use it to find that. In fact, I was just looking the other day uh, to find some, some Seinfeld tickets. So I'm kind of interested to see what I'm going to be able to find there. He's coming uh, in January. So Now, SeatGeek has taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls the tickets available on other sites all into one place so you save time and you never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if prices fall. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value, so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. In fact, I can get you 20 bucks just for listening to the show. All you have to do is uh, download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo. Enter the promo code SLEEPER. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase with them. So again, just download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. Welcome to episode 409 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Monday's December 5th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how's it going? Uh, it is going. I am in Grand Rapids tonight. Um, there is this white crap all over the ground. I don't Ooh. know what it is. It's called snow. Sounds horrific. It, it, thankfully, uh, it, it all happened yesterday, and I just get to see it. Um, I, I, I do not enjoy driving in the snow, but I've I got a imagine. really awesome vehicle. They gave me a uh, an Infiniti QX70 that's Whoa. got heated seats and a sunroof, and it's pretty badass. Um, Sounds nice. Yeah, so Sounds I wish nice. uh, – so if it was snowing, I would be prepared for it, but – Alas, it is already on the ground and cleared, and I am just uh, cruising along this nice ride. Well, we've got plenty to talk about, and so uh, we've got some transactions that have taken place that we're going to run down. We're not going to dive into the rumors right now about uh, this potential Nationals Chris Sale deal because, listen, it's it's the winter meetings, and even with the quote-unquote legitimate chance at finalizing the trade, We've seen stuff like this fall through, so it could just be a lot of wasted air if we talk about it and then it doesn't happen. So we're, we're gonna we're gonna kick it down the road right now since we do have several transactions to talk about. Um, and if it does come to fruition, I'm planning on on talking with Eno later in the week if enough stuff goes down, and we'll cover it then. So so we're gonna go ahead and push on that uh, for those that might wonder, you know, why didn't you talk about that? Because it you know. The news is out uh, at the time that we're recording. It kind of popped up 828 Central on uh, MLB Trade Rumors, and we're recording right now at about 840. 
But it, again, we have plenty of transactions. Some of them, you know, pretty impactful. Not huge, but they're they're making moves. There's one re-signing that doesn't do too much. But uh, you know, Beltran, Holiday, Melanson. So we're gonna get into it. I do have a question of the day, though. I, I I've done three podcasts today. This is the third. Uh, the other two are actually gonna come out after this. Uh, so we haven't gone over these transactions with the other two guests that I talked with. But Paul Kostava and I were talking about the uh, the first base market and how it, it's winding up. And we were kind of placing guys in different spots. And, and we came to Chris Carter. For us, it felt like a slam dunk for Tampa Bay. Do you, do you see this as something that, that's going to happen uh, with Chris Carter recently non-tendered and, and designated? Is, is he going to be a, a Tampa Bay Ray? It just feels so Tampa Bay Ray-y. Well, I, I mean... I... They don't need them. Go look at roster resource right now. The DH is Nick Franklin. Oh, um, yeah. In all seriousness, this honestly, this would have been the move for them to make last year. That's, that's um, and true. And they didn't make it, and Milwaukee picked him up on the cheap. I think uh, you know Mike Petriello had a nice tweet the other day basically showing how – how much Chris Carter lines up with Mark Trumbo over the last four seasons. Absolutely. Their, their 2017 steamer projections overall line up very closely. And Mark Trumbo is asking for – turn down a four-year $70 million deal from uh, from from the Orioles. Oh, wow. So for me, I mean, that's why I believe – that's why I read earlier that they had reached out to him and, and they said, yeah, we're not ready to sign for that yet. Um so for me, why why wouldn't Baltimore go do that? I know people are trying to put Encarnacion there, but why not just put Carter in Baltimore? Yeah, exactly, because you trust I Chris Davis me. to kind of move. Well, actually, no, it would be for the DH spot. So Chris Davis just stays at first, and you put him. Yeah, Trey Mancini's at DH right now. But, yeah, I mean, are, are you guys uh, – you think the Rays are going to get in on that action at all then with like a why Napoli or, or uh, obviously not Trumbo? If he's asking for that much, that doesn't seem very Rays-y. But uh, uh, Chris Carter, I take again. Carter. I take Napoli on a deal. I take Carter on a multi-year deal. I don't care about the strike. I honestly don't care about the strikeouts. He feels the like issue, such a perfect Tampa Bay fit to me. The issue is you've got to you've got to figure out somewhere if if you're going to carry Steve if you're committed to Steven Sousa, uh, who I'm just going to call Trey Turner Jr. Um, mm-hmm. If you're committed to Steven Sousa and you're going to carry Chris Carter in that lineup, you need a high-contact lefty in between them because you've also got Dickerson. So, I mean, there's three big swings and misses. And, and, and part of this team's problem a couple of years ago was that they had too many of these guys, and, and they, they've made a conscious effort the last couple of years to get more guys that'll put the ball in play to move guys over. They said there was too too much swing and miss in the lineup. So it swung one way, it swung another. Is it ready to swing back again? I mean, it, to me, again, as one of Chris Carter's biggest fans, sure, I'm, I put him on the team in a heartbeat, but I need to find a high-contact lefty to stick in between him. And right now, that guy's not on this roster. So if you're going to sign him, you got to sign another guy too. True, true. I, I think that that is uh, – I don't know what – I don't know – or you trade for a guy. I just don't know if that guy exists. Um, I'm, I'm not even talking about going back and getting a James Loney, but you've got to break up that kind of swing and miss with somebody. You know, let's say the leadoff guy. Let's say you're hitting Souza. You know, let's say Carter's hitting fifth and, and Souza's hitting seventh. So you go one, two, three in the first, and then the, your cleanup guy gets on on second, and then you've got Carter comes up and strikes out. You got Souza's going to come up with two outs and strikes out. You need somebody that can hit, you know, get a single and go. That that kind of thing. I agree. Somebody's got to break those guys up. And I, I would, 
while there's a lot of power upside with a Carter, Dickerson, Souza, five, six, seven in the lineup, there's a lot of one, two, three, uh, you know, strike out the side in that a- lineup too. Absolutely, absolutely. And so that that is something you know you got to kind of balance the team construction there. But that that was my my leading off question of the day because, like I said, Paul and I landed on that. Thought it was kind of a slam dunk. Figure might as well talk to the Tampa Bay Rays expert about that. Uh, Rays corner. See- yeah, raise corner. Got to get it again. Got to get it in every episode. I think that that uh, that fills it sufficiently. There. Let's talk some transactions. We got uh, Carlos Beltran going out to Houston here. Interesting deal. Beltran's one of those guys that if he can walk, you know, if he's not too completely broken, the dude can hit. He's going to continue to just you know, quote unquote, the proverbial roll out of bed and and hit well and. He continued to do that this year. Actually, he was raking with New York when Texas got him. They probably figured they they were going to get a high impact middle lineup bat. He was not bad with the 776 OPS, but he wasn't quite as good for them. Um, now the Astros get him again. Remember the last time they had him was for that stretch run when he was just completely unconscious. Not just with them for the 90 games, but of course that playoff run, one of the most obscene playoff runs. It's a one-year, $16 million deal, and he's staying there. There's a full no trade, so they're not... uh uh, it's not going to be something where they flip them in the middle of the year. Of course, they're pretending, uh, not pretending. They're they're planning on uh, competing anyway. It's a situation where they, you know, hope not to uh, have to deal him. What do you stupid think of Carlos Beltran? Yeah, it's, it's so a stupid. Good lineup. So good, dude. But it kind of kills that Encarnacion market because that was a big piece. And the next transaction that we're going to talk about, we could just loop them together. They're very similar. Matt Holiday going to New York. Um, again, as a, as sort of a DH here, I think his is also a one year deal. It is. These both curb the Encarnacion market, don't they? Oh yeah, Encarnacion. He's going to come to Tampa Bay on a thirty five year deferred deal. He's going to get two million dollars <laughs> a year over thirty five years with interest, and I have no problem doing it. Don't care. Um, no, when you look at this Houston, we talked about it when they did the the McCann and Reddick. They needed to get more left-handed at uh more lefty bats in that lineup because mm-hmm. everybody was right-handed and this gives them a third guy gives them some really nice balance and, and beltron gives them you know gives them that switch hitter as well you can just dh him full time i think this facilitates a move of, of gavin gaddis somewhere because i don't know where you you know where you're going to play gas if you want beltron if you're envisioning 150 games Gaddis is not your backup catcher because we say, know McCann will play enough games. And you can right? dangle Gaddis as a potential catcher. That that hopefully adds to his intrigue. Obviously, he's not an amazing catcher behind the dish. But you say, okay, you're getting a part-time catcher, full-time slugger. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think that is a move that they can entertain. And they still are perfectly set up for the, the platoons that they have. Um, you know, Marisnik is definitely going to take some outfield time. Tiasco, Tiasco Hernandez, uh, they can both take time from Reddick and Aoki against lefties to kind of set up their platoon, and then they can figure out kind of a backup catcher. Maybe just use Max Stassi, somebody already in the organization who's had a, a taste or two of the majors, uh, because like you said, McCann's a guy where you're not doing the 60-40. Like you're really, you're really counting no. on McCann to be the the heavy heavy workload sort of guy played 130 games last year 135 140 the year before so he's going down a little bit each year five fewer the last three years but even at 130 you're still only trying to fill in 32 games that's not bad at all no this is a great landing spot for beltron i just with with what's in front of him what's behind him um what do you pay for him plenty of an al uh al labor 
or AL Town, excuse me. Mm, upper teens. I think I would too, man. This guy just rakes. Do you think you have to though? Because, uh, and I mention this all the time. It's one of the main points I consistently make about fantasy baseball's ageism. Dude's going to be 39, age 39 or age 40 season. Uh, maybe in that room, you know, that like we're t- if we're talking tout and labor, these you're in tout, right? Or labor. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. And we're in mixed labor. Duh. I'm an idiot. I, right. always, I always mix the two. Uh, so it's going to be his age 40 season. Yes, that, that player pool that you're going against is going to be a little less inclined to just discount a guy because of his age, but at the same time there's still gonna be there's still gonna be some sort of discount because it is a forty year old. I feel like you might be able to steal him for like fourteen bucks. And you're saying you'd go seventeen, eighteen, nineteen? I, I say that because you know, when I look at him it, it to me it feels like it feels like a Victor Martinez situation. Yep. Whereas you know we know he's not you know Victor Martinez is not going to catch anymore, but at least Beltran's going to play some outfield. Uh, what I'm what I'm looking I'm stalling here is I want to see what Victor Martinez went for last year in the auction because that's exactly where I feel Beltran is. That's a sort high of average sort of RBI calm. opportunities. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. That's where I feel he's going to be. So uh, you know I, I still I want to say Victor Martinez to me was a was a uh, he might have uh, he might have like off player. He might have been a little bit cheaper coming off of the 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 down fifteen, whereas Beltran's coming off of a great sixteen, and so you might take Victor's price add a few bucks to it as well. I think I right, think on, that might be uh, that might yeah. be something that you want to do. Hotel Wi-Fi, let's go. Um, but that's kind of where I feel it's going it's to cost. By I think that's I feel a reasonable a comp, investment. by the way. I mean, ageism, it's, it's tough. Um, but it's its not something that I'm running away from. Uh, you know, like Gannis was a $10 player last year. Uh, so it's not a terrible. And Victor Martinez was a $12 player last year. So I, I think if you add f- four or five bucks on onto that for two reasons – uh, the fact that Beltran will, won't be DH only and he's not coming off of a bad season, I think we're right back to where we're saying that's 15, 16 bucks, and you're saying you'd pay even maybe a few bucks more. So I think that's winding up as maybe you're, you're ready to target Carlos Beltran. What about Matt Holliday? He goes over to the Yankees. He's coming more off of the down season type, only only in comparison to what he does, though. His 782 OPS was only good for a 107 OPS plus. That's his lowest since his rookie year, um, and it's his lowest OPS overall. And even in that, it's the real problem from his season was 110 games because injuries got him. Like the performance, you could still see glimpses of of, of vintage Matt Holiday at periods throughout the season. Not expecting him to get back up to his mid 800s necessarily, but going to Yankee Stadium certainly helps. Getting off your feet, not having to play defense all the time certainly helps. Are you paying a similar price for him? Or are you trying to get him a few bucks cheaper, Matt Holiday? Um. I don't know. I, to me, I'm trying to get him a. If we're comparing the two, I'm going to go the extra dollar or two on Beltron um, over Holiday. The line or Holiday rather, the lineup situation is so pristine uh, for Beltron if they hit him clean up as he's projected to do right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with with Holiday, this is two consecutive seasons of of him playing half a season uh, or just I'm with a little you there. more. Um, 
you know, last year, I think I saw Tim Heaney tweet something about where, where Holiday's numbers were pretty obscene last year, um, going the opposite way. And I, I don't, but when you look at his numbers, it's not like he's making a concerted effort to do that. Sure, his, op, just... his oppo percentage was up in 2015, but overall, his oppo percentage has been right where it's always been, and even the up the middle. So it's not like he's deciding i'm not going to pull the ball anymore Mm -hmm. it shows up a little bit in 2015 but yeah there's not like this there's there's this concerted effort out there to be like i'm going oppo um so no i'm not crazy about this i mean it's a good it's a good spot for him to go but it doesn't change my evaluation of him at all okay so but if he did if if he if holiday did make that change that would be the park to do it in now yankee stadium certainly helps righties as well but obviously the biggest boon is to left uh is to left-handers so if he starts looking at right field as a place to target that could be interesting so we like both those guys uh i'm with you i'm a little bit higher on beltran i think both are especially useful in al only but don't completely ignore them in in mixed leagues either as your what fourth outfielder type um you're you're not going to have to pay a premium for them i think you can parlay the uh the general ageism into a discount value on both of them let's move on to mark melanson out in san francisco you could have put i would have put any amount of money that they were going to get one of the three i I didn't know which one i actually thought they would they would be at the top of the pool and try to get jansen or or chapman but when you really step back and look at it melanson fits them so well like that is the exact kind of guy that they like um and it, he doesn't overwhelm from like a stuff standpoint, but right. he is pretty dominant when you look at like his swing and miss rates and stuff. His strikeouts aren't up there with those two guys, double digit strikeout rates per nine, but 8.2 this past year. He does have an 11% swinging strike rate the past year and for his career. He's peaked at high, as high as 14% back in 2014 when he, when he struck out 26% of the batters he faced. So he can spike up there. Uh, he also, you know, is good for some volume, relatively speaking, to relievers. A lot of them, well, not a lot of them, but some of the premium ninth inning guys get limited into like the 60s of their innings. He gets up there in that 71. I think he's a guy that if this new trend of kind of pushing your guys a little bit more takes hold, then you could see, I, I think Melanson would be well equipped to be a guy. I mean, he went 71 innings this year. He could push it to upper 70s, low 80s if they want to prep him for those two inning stints in the, in the postseason. What do you think of Melanson out in San Francisco and how does it uh, alter his fantasy value? I mean, we've liked Melanson for a while here on this podcast, uh, and even every other podcast you and I have done. Um, so nasty. You know, one of the things, but it, it's it is tough to a little tough to overlook the lack of velocity. But mm-hmm. that said, you know that said, you look at his you look at his measures, and I, I'm looking at things like his out of swing percentage rate for for relievers in 2016. It was 31 percent. He was at 36 percent last year. And, you know his swinging strike rate is right at league average for relievers. I'm just using the filters of Fangraphs. That cut you know, is nasty, contact, man. His contact rate is a little he. he, he batters make a little more contact against him than they do overall relievers but I mean you look at his strikeout rate is above league average his walk rate is better than the league average there's a lot to like you know we're, we're just in fantasy we're just talking year over year I don't like him over four years I mean I don't like any reliever over four years it's tough to project him that uh, it's outside of a, a very very small handful exactly um, 
but you know I'd like him a lot for 2017. I'd like him in that situation. Uh, it's unfortunate. I think that Giants bullpen he'll have that help with Strickland and Romo and uh, you know those well, two guys setting him up th- will is really it Romo help. a free agent as well? Oh, he is. I don't know. I, I, I was just I, maybe was just I'm wrong so on that. Good. I know Casilla is. But I'm not. Yeah. I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure for certain on Romo. But he, but either way, you know, Strickland's still there, and he's kind of. The, it, it's almost like, and they've had it with Romo and Casilla, the yin to the yang there, where you have the power guy in Strickland, and then you bring that finesse guy in, and maybe kind of alter the timing of guys. Obviously, we all love uh, seeing 99, you know, at the eyes and guys swinging through it. That's great. But in terms of altering timing, it can also be effective to have 99, 100 in the eighth inning. And then you bring in 91, 93, Mark Melanson with that nasty cutter. And, and you're, you're still getting getting the benefits of, of almost what Strickland does to kind of keep, to kind of alter their timing because you're down, you're, you're lowering the velocity so much with somebody like Melanson. So maybe that could be effective from that standpoint. Yeah, I mean, just all the stuff, I and mean, you, you go back and look at that team and how many, I mean, look at all the saves Casillas piled up over the years, the ones that Romo got. And Romo, you yeah, know? he had a 38-save season, and he is a free agent, by the way. Both Romo and Casilla are. That's why it was such, like, there was, nobody was surprised that they signed one of these three. And, in fact, yeah, trade Romo's rumors. Romo's arm is healthy. I would love to have him on, on the raise. I digress, though. Uh, Sergio um, Romo? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, honestly, I think somebody could get a, a decent arm in Casilla. I know he's 36, and maybe you don't want him as a closer, but there's still some skills there to him too. I think both of them, they, they were shaky. I don't love them as fantasy closers. I kept waiting for Strickland to take the job this year, but they're still valuable MLB pitchers, and I think both will be picked up cheap, and I could see them in uh, in crucial spots for a contender if that's where they end I mean, up. Here's Here's the thing with the Giants the last couple of years. Team saves 43, 41, 46, 41, 53, 52, 57. That's since 2010. So that's, you know, that's this decade and the way they're rolling. So with Melanson, he's had the skills. Now he's going to, you know, get the opportunity. Not like if he had the opportunity in Pittsburgh the last couple of years, but sure. I mean, this is a manager. He maybe he, I, I would kind of agree, disagree with you in a bit. That I don't know if he gets pushed the extra inning. To me, it just feels like you're coming in the ninth inning and you're going to do one, two, three, and you're done. Uh, whereas in Pittsburgh, he had to lift some of that heavier load uh, to that point. But I just think this is a guy who has the skills, and now he's going to get that forty-plus save opportunity. That that'd be great, uh, and we've seen we've seen him do it. You know, fifty-one back in twenty fifteen for Melanson, that was huge. There's a dude who can go out there and give you that ninth inning, and maybe maybe you're right. Maybe they just say, "Listen, you only need to do the ninth. We're going to get you the bridge there with uh, with, with Strickland and sign some other guys." Uh, Will Smith, they still have in Derek Walsh. They don't even have to sign any other guys. They've got the three guys to get you there. Yeah. And that's not a bad bridge at all. You got the power lefty with Will Smith and then Derek Wall, young guy who really showed some stuff, and Hunter Strickland, a guy who's the raw stuff I still like. So, uh, we, we eight saves over the last two years. It's, de- it's devastating. Nobody really talks. Nobody really. Everybody's like trying to like dirt on the guy because he doesn't throw ninety eight like everybody else. Yeah, and because he but, doesn't get nine hundred strikeouts per nine, he's still you know just under a strikeout per nine. Listen, I love getting the high strikeout closer as much as the next guy. I really do. Zach Britton, Rolls Chapman, whatever. It's not a, a, a must to succeed, though. You can still get your strikeouts from starters and just take a guy like this who's going to get you 50 saves. I mean, they're going to be a quality a team. Of, 
he's given up a total of 10 home runs over the past four seasons. And you think that's going to go up in San Francisco? Hell no. It's probably going to go down. Like, he do, he does not allow homers. Mark Melanson does not allow homers. His homer rate— he doesn't walk, dude. Doesn't give up home runs. He, sure, he doesn't He doesn't get the swing and miss. You know, like I said, his league, his swing, his league average swing and miss. Big deal. But there is such a high floor to this guy right now for 2017. Such a high floor. And you have three straight seasons, 33, 51, 47. This is everything you – all the risks that we associate with closers, this dude doesn't have. And this is why I always love targeting Mark Melanson in mixed leagues. Well, we'll, st- we'll still be in on him next year probably. I mean – I think he'll remain kind of in that in that second third tier area, even on a, on a team like San Francisco, which may be a little bit more high profile than Pittsburgh was. I still don't know that he'll get his love. Uh, re-signing of Rich Hill back in in the with the Dodgers doesn't really take a whole lot of uh, analysis. Re-signings aren't aren't huge for fantasy analysis, but um, when you, when you obviously when you take down the the innings requirements to a minuscule level to get Rich Hill in there over the last two years because he has only thrown 139 innings, his results are still devastating. And yes, it's only 139 innings when other guys over the last two years are putting up 400, 450. I think, um, yeah, Scherzer, 457 innings the last two years. I understand. We know that the innings are low for Hill, but you have to respect what he's done. And yes, you'll bake in... The idea that, okay, well, I'll ask you, how many innings are you planning for if you draft Rich Hill, and do you want to draft him? Do you want to take the discount that will be built in for, for Rich Hill, take your shot, and get your X amount innings, and what is that X amount? Really, is there is there going to be a discount? I mean, to me, he's going to throw 140 innings. And that, that I would don't be want high. I, I, don't want him, I don't want to pay double digits for him. Okay, and and I think I mean, that I I cracked I cracked the joke when we were texting earlier. I'm like, you know, last last year the Dodgers threw a one year deal for 15 million dollars at a guy who threw 11 innings, a lefty, a high a high injury rate lefty. So that that works so well. They're doing it over three years now, right? Uh, and that's with Brett Anderson. Like Hill. For those that don't and, know, no, I, I don't. You can't argue with the skills. The skills are insane. They've been so good, but it's no, I. I this is the guy that I'm running away from. If if the whole league runs away from him, then sure I'll jump in. What does that look Rich like Hill to you in a draft, in a 15 team draft? So I, if if you don't remember where he went at the Arizona draft, I'm going to enlighten you here in a moment. But where, where do you? I want to say eighth round is where he went, right? No, he actually went in the 11th. Is that cheap enough for you? Or are you are you saying you need him around the if Drew Pomeranz level? If I'm saying 140 innings in a 15 team mixed league, I need him lower than the 11th round. Okay. Here's some guys that went after him that I, as much as I like Hill's skills, I would prefer these guys that went in the 12th, 13th, and 14th, and 15th. Lance McCullers, Marcus Stroman, Drew Pomerantz, and Taiwan Walker. Uh, everybody but Walker. Walker's a reliever. His starting days are done. You're a reliever. Yes, I am. Roasted, y'all. I just smoked Jason. <laughs> Um, yes, I am, but at least I have one pitch that's above the league average. And you can command it uh, and don't throw major home runs and now go into Arizona, which is a little bit scary. No, I, listen, I think you're, I think that's fair about Rich Hill. I, I think that 11th round, it, it depends on team makeup. This particular team had Kershaw, Hamels, Garrett Cole, and then took Rich Hill, and I really don't mind that. For my setup, 
let's just say he'd have been available. Well, he was available to me in the eleventh round because that's I, I picked before this guy. I had Carlos Carrasco, Edwin Diaz, Andrew Miller, and I went with yeah, Velasquez no over Hill. Yeah, and so I again I prefer obviously Velasquez, and then Carlos Rodon went two picks before him. I think I prefer Rodon to Hill, even though. This, I do. I definitely, I definitely prefer Rodon to Hill. I'll just, I'll just gamble on that upside before the, uh, before the quality, because I, I think 140 is even lofty. Like we haven't seen him do 140. He's done 140 in the last two, two years combined. 139 in the third, even. So, be careful with Rich Hill. The, the, the discounts are going to vary league to league, and there's going to be scenarios where yes, I think it would be a worthwhile discount to jump in, but I don't think every league. I think. It is going to be assumed kind of the way I did. Oh, hey, there's going to be this great discount. And then you're going to get in the draft room and then someone's going to take him in the 10th round. You're like, that wasn't really the discount we expected. So I, th- I think you're right there. I think that's completely fair. I will, uh, I will, I will back off on that one. Let's move over to a guy you're, you're quite familiar with and maybe wanted him back with your team. I don't know, but Steve Pierce stays in the division. He just loves that division, by the way. Um, and now he's going to take a tour with Toronto. He's been with Baltimore, Tampa Bay, and the Yankees. Now Steve Pierce out in Toronto. What do you think? I know he's a lefty killer. Can you be more of an everyday guy or, or do they have to completely limit him against righties? No, here's the. I mean, the thing is, I initially tweeted today. You know, today is uh, Justin Smoke's birthday. Turns thirty. Sure I'm like, is. you know, happy, happy birthday. birthday, dude. You just got a platoon partner. Now people were like, oh, why don't they just cut him? I didn't say who was going to play most of the platoon, but you know, with, when you have when you look at Pierce, he's actually made himself serviceable against righties in recent years. So we all we all think of him as this as this lefty killer who sucks versus righties. But you know his numbers the last couple of years uh, have been good against righties too. The problem is he hasn't been able to stay healthy, even even when he's been DHing for the most part. I mean his numbers the last couple of years, his triple slash line, you know last year uh, 2015 with Baltimore, uh, 231, 303, 462. So not terrible. Mm-hmm. And he was a 107 weighted runs created plus. But last year was a 118. WRC plus against him. He's had four. He's had three straight years of 200 plus plate appearances with above league average production against right-handed pitching. Um, so I don't think this is a straight platoon situation uh, for him at all. I think he gets a majority. He could play there. He could play some left field. He can play some DH. Hell, he could play some second base when, not if, when Devon when, Travis gets hurt. Unfortunately, right? yeah, that's that's. And then I mean, the thing is, on. but the thing is with Pierce. You know, despite all this, we're we're still waiting for the very first season of him to have as many as 390 plate appearances. Wow, that, that's the crazy part about it. See the you rich know, the hill of, of hitters, right? The 212. The thing is, it's a perfect fit for Rogers Center because he's a heavy fly ball hitter. He's a heavy pull hitter, and this is this is what he's doing, and that that could be perfect there if he just gets into that last year you if you look at his numbers you see that his ground ball rate went up he was hurt last year that elbow was not healthy and towards the end of the season he, he you know he flailed out he was hurt early with the raise he got healthy and then they traded him and went to uh went back to baltimore you know if he gets back to the, the heavy pull the 50 plus pull percentage and hitting all those fly balls you know he could run into 20 homers 
He just has to play. He's had 20 homers that one season in 14. Um, you know, when he had his career best of 383 plate appearances, if everything lines up right and he gets 450-plus plate appearances, there could be another 20-plus homer season in his bat. Mm-hmm. But, man, it's it's the health. That's a guy that I would like to get excited about. But, I mean, I, I, don't, I can't make a case for drafting him anything but the end days in a mixed league because the health track record simply isn't there. I mean, last year I drafted him. I got him for two bucks in AL talent because he was second base eligible because of the way that the, the draft works. And even this year he is in talent. It's a 15 game eligibility. So in that format, he's eligible at first base. He's eligible at second base. Um, he's a first and second base player. Uh, he, that's all he has uh, going into the draft. Uh, first, second base and DH is what he has uh, so but if you're if your league is the standard 20 and he's only first base that that really cuts into his value yeah i, I think so i think that's i think that's a fair assessment of steve pierce but don't sleep on him in als i think that's where i really like uh, a guy like steve pierce anyway and obviously that's where his best value is i would even quote unquote overpay a, a buck or two more just just to kind of have him because you could still there's still some upside where you could pop and say oh wow he finally stays healthy for it, it's unlikely it's unlikely i'm not saying that it is what's going to happen but it could and i don't think i have to overpay like i said except more than maybe a buck or two to try to get that steve pierce season so uh, you know I'll, I'll take a shot i'll take a shot all right uh next up is joaquin benoit out to philly and i think this could be to close jason I think he might have bumped Hector Neris off the uh, off the closer track there, and now you're looking at Benoit Neris Gomez Nishek as a nice quartet there. They need a lefty, but that four that four pack there can certainly work at the back end of a, a bullpen. What do you think of Benoit as a potential? They haven't. I don't think they've said that he's closing, but uh, that's where roster resources slotting him right now, and I and I agree with that. What do you think? With Benoit, I mean. He's a hundred. We know that. I mean, this is, the, this is the old guy edition, apparently. I mean, he's he's like Jason Grilly. He, he's going to be. He'll turn forty in the, right at the trade deadline. Yeah, so uh, July twenty six. So that feels like Grilly last year. One of the things when you look at him, it, it's you know he's still because of that nasty changeup. He still gets the strikeouts. The walk rate went really high last year for him. Um, yeah, I'm a little concerned about the long ball going to Philly, uh, where it's been suppressed a little bit the last couple of years. Has been right about league average but one of the things that he does so well it's it's rather insane on how well he's done it for his career but he has a 74 percent strand rate for his career and if you go back this decade 95 75 82 87 85 86 and 82 you know we talk about a lot of times it's tough for these guys to do one season at Beatty. he's done five consecutive because of all the fly balls i mean mm-hmm. that's the, the fly balls have your lowest percentage going for a hit and he gets a lot of weak contact off that nasty change of uh, the way things go and uh, when you talk about them needing a left-hander i'd almost argue they don't because he is that guy. I mean, if you look the last couple of years against lefties, 2013, 193 average against, 152 and 14, 172 and 15. Last year, it was a little bit up at 235, but because of that changeup, he doesn't have, I mean, he could be the righties or lefties. So if I'm looking at somebody in that bullpen that I want to close, it's him. 
And if you got him on a one-year deal, you let him come in. And this is what we talked about. It's kind of funny how that worked out. We said this was what the Braves were going to do with Jim Johnson last year. Come in, get all the saves, drive up this trade value, and trade him. And they ended up keeping him and giving him a two-year extension. That's not going to happen with Benoit. And the Phillies aren't going to be – I don't see them contending for a playoff spot in 2017. But if Benoit can go roll out 20 saves – then he goes and gets traded at the deadline. You get something out of him, just like the Padres did last year. Yep. That's the that's one of the strange things about Benoit. He's only been traded once in his career. Really? In midseason. Last year. Last year was the first time that he had not spent an entire season and, with the same ball club. And he got in that uh, – I, I mischaracterized it when I was talking with Paul. I said it was a celebration where he got hurt. It was a brawl. Where he got hurt and ended up not being available for the uh, for the Blue Jays in the playoffs, and he'd actually righted the ship with them after starting with the Mariners, and it looked like he had some flukiness to it because he had a five eighteen ERA, but uh, it was a lot of walks and homers, which uh, uncharacteristic of him. Got back on track with the Jays, thirty nine point thirty eight ERA, one oh one WHIP, or excuse me, one point one WHIP, and and back uh, strikeouts and walks and home runs were back in check, so. I like Benoit. I think he'll be dirt cheap, and I certainly trust him more than, say, the guy that we thought was going to close for them last year coming into the season, David Hernandez, who people were throwing something at. Uh, oh, before. yeah, but we, Hernandez had all those flaws, man. You, so you knew or Hernandez, had like 50 you knew chances. The home run. Well, you, the home run rate was ridiculous in Arizona. We talked about that. He walked too many guys. He left the ball up and gave up too many home runs. That's exactly what happened over there. Or I should too. say, he ha- I said he had 50 chances. He hasn't had chances. He's had so many paths where he's never really stuck in the closers role that kind of tells you that it's just not going to happen at this point so i was surprised that so many people were ready to take that shot but he was penciled in and opportunity matters but then g mar gomez ended up with it i think uh benoit holds it again for at least that half year and then possibly gets dealt again like you said that could be interesting there uh last deal last move here is actually a trade and boy, have the Atlanta Braves been active here, going out and getting some some established pieces too. They're they're making sure that they have these uh, veteran pieces for their young guys to to kind of lean on, I guess. And but they've been interested. They've been in on everything apparently. Braves, you know, were rumored maybe talking to y'all about Archer, maybe to the White Sox about Chris Sale. Like they're dabbling in on everything they're making deals that are a little bit smaller they've signed Dickey and Cologne then they trade for uh, Jaime Garcia and it was a small deal so I, I honestly I can't remember what was on the other side uh, oh yeah John Gant and Chris Ellis not completely insignificant pieces John Gant Oof. yeah John Bad delivery John Gant uh, was a guy who made his major league debut and Chris Ellis was part of the Angelton Simmons deal so there could be a little something there uh, with, with those guys, but the the piece here is, of course, Jaime Garcia going there. He's a maybe a better. Well, I don't know how to say this right because his skills aren't better than Rich Hill, but is he the more durable version, which doesn't say a whole lot? Is he, is he the? Is I, was he gonna, a, I was gonna say, you know, I thought you were gonna ask me who would you pay more money for, Jaime Garcia and Rich Hill, because you know I don't like Jaime Garcia. Yeah, I know you don't, uh, and as, I know you well. pay more for Hill. Right, I would because it, with Garcia, it's, I mean, he came back from thoracic outlet syndrome. Yeah, I mean, Hill's skills are at least there. You're you're going to get a, a certain skill level with Hill. With Garcia, you don't really know where it's going to go, and it could kind of blow but, up in your face. He, but so he doesn't walk. Right. I mean, with Garcia, if I'm going to sell his skills, you know, he doesn't walk anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he the strikeout rate came back last year. So and, and yeah, the ground ball rate. rate. There's there's pieces. There's pieces to this. Mm-hmm. 
that said, you know, the home runs problems have, have come and gone uh, for him last year. Just stupid high inflation, the 20% home run, the fly ball rate. There's enough pieces for here for me here to be intrigued to all, and, and then. If, if you're going to make me say who's going to throw 160 innings in a season, I'll, I'll give that to Garcia. I'll give uh, the edge um, to Garcia there. I'd almost be willing to pay more for Garcia this year because there's pieces of the skill set that still intrigue me. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that that's fair. And, and you're probably going to get about half the price you're going to pay for Rich Hill. I've actually liked him a bit more Jaime Garcia a bit more than you have in the past but the injuries have just continued to pile up now I will say that even though it wasn't great 467 ERA and uh, 138 whip the fact that he threw 172 innings off of thoracic outlet is actually a positive because we haven't seen a lot of guys come back from that yet to have a great sample of, of how it works most of the cases have been bad he would actually I think be a check mark in, in favor of not freaking out too much over it. And I'm referring specifically to Matt Harvey, who I think is the, is the biggest guy to get it in the, in the biggest scare right now. I know Chris Carpenter got it, I, I believe, but that was late in his career when it was kind of a Hail Mary anyway. Alex Cobb had it too. Oh, okay. That, I didn't know that. Tyson I, Ross is pitching through it now or trying to come back. Tyson Ross too. trying to come back from it. And it was actually uh, non-tendered. So he, he's out there and available right now. Do you have any uh, thoughts on where he might go? Do you think he's somebody that team, uh, uh, maybe a lower end team should take a gamble on hoping to spike back to his previous level for Tyson Ross? I honestly don't know. I mean, with with the when the Padres are letting him go like that, surprisingly, it, it's got to give people a lot of pause. To be like, let's look at the medicals. I can see him getting some incentive laden deal with some opt outs on the back end. Would you, that was the other thing about about Melanson, by the way. Did you know his deal was front loaded and he can opt out after two years? Yes, I did see that. Wouldn't you almost want him to give you two beast years and then opt out and let him like, yes. as a reliever let him be somebody else's yeah. issue? Yes, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I don't want him over four. That's why I said when I what my comment about um, you know if we're fantasy, we focus year to year. I love him in seventeen. I don't love him in nineteen or twenty. So yeah, front load that thing and let him walk. Yeah, um, I like yeah, it. Go that way. But uh, yeah, there's still enough pieces for to intrigue me about Garcia. Whereas with you mean Hill, Ross. Uh, yeah, I'm just. Oh, you're, you're going back to Garcia. Garcia. Pardon the me. Ross thing has got to be incentive laden and, and and with along those lines uh, to that point. But I, I wanted to surprise you a little bit and said I'd be willing to go. I'll take Garcia on my roster before I'll take Hill. Oh, okay, okay, that is a surprise. Yeah, because you've been an anti Jaime Garcia guy, and it's and it's paid well for you, by the way, because the 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 good that he's had hasn't been so good that you're like. Golly, I've missed out on that. I'm I'm an idiot, you know, because honestly, his best season, um, well, you know, he, he had that big spike in 2015, but prior to that, it hadn't been since 2010. So those those five years where you were saying no thanks, even coming into the 2015 season, I think you were justified in passing. And again, he spiked a nice big year, but then if you stayed off that train, he was back down again this year. So I I, I think that it's uh, it's paid off for you. What do you think about that that Atlanta team at large? Because now they're, they've filled out the rotation with veterans, Cologne, Dickey, and Garcia. And the bookends there are Tehran at the front and Mike Fultonevich at the, at the back end. I think that's a plausible five there. Like it, It's not great, obviously. I know that. But it's certainly plausible to where you shouldn't be a total bottom feeder, particularly 
because I like a, a Jim Johnson, a Rodas Vizcaino, Mauricio Cabrera at the back end of the bullpen. I like all three of those guys, to be honest. I think Jim Johnson, by the way, we're talking about Love and Melanson for the skills. I think Jim Johnson's back at his peak level. At least he was at the end of the year. He's someone I'm going to be looking at dirt cheap for closer. Yeah, I I don't like Fulton Evich in the rotation. I still think he's a reliever. Um, You're with, a reliever. Oh, I already said that. Dang yeah. It. With Cabrera, the velocity's there. He just doesn't miss enough. It doesn't, doesn't command doesn't it yet. He needs to yet. learn some more. So right now, it's it's just flashiness. And yeah, we can't get too drunk on 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 the raw stuff because you're right. Uh, it was a seven and a half strikeout rate, twelve percent swinging strike rate is a little bit above average. You said it was eleven percent for relievers, yeah. but when you're throwing a hundred like that, you got to be in that fifteen percent swinging strike rate, right? To me, I move I move him to the bullpen. I put Whistler into the five. I still like Whistler there better long term. Uh, so that's right. That's where I see that particular piece of it going. Okay. Um, I, I like the lineup, but it's got a little more balance to it overall. Of course, they added the uh, the greatest catcher in baseball history and Tuffy Gosowich to that dude, bench. Dude, uh, the fakest best player ever this side of Tom Murphy to go with Tyler Flowers there. I mean, that, that team is set now that they have Tuffy Gosowich, yeah? It's, yeah, it's a better team. I mean, I think, honestly, <laughs> if I'm looking at this, this is an 83-85 win team. Right? And then if 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 a, a guy or two comes up from the minors and spikes, can't they mess around and, and scare some teams? Like they, If they build off that second half, uh, we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, me and you, me and Eno, about how that second half offense was one of the best in the league. Not just not right. just up from where they were, but like one of the best in the league. I like what we saw out of Swanson, Kemp, you know, he got made fun of when he wrote the Players' Tribune thing saying he was energized by going to Atlanta. He showed it. I think I think for those that were kind of against him, you got to take a mea culpa on that and say, yeah, he proved you wrong because he really did go out there and play well. Uh, Freddie Freeman's a total stud in the middle of the lineup. Ender and Ciarte, a great front-end guy. Like You're not fantasy in love with a lot of their lineup, but it's not a horrible lineup, and I think there's enough game-changing pieces with Freeman, Kemp, and Ciarte, and Swanson that they can make some noise. Again, it's not a great team, but you're talking 80 to 83 wins. That'd be a nice building block when they really want to compete, which is 18 and beyond. Don't sleep on Malik Smith. Um, do sleep on Sean Rodriguez. Um, oh, you're out You're out on Sean? It, there's no way he's repeating what he did think, last year. I think Eno had some positive things to say about him, but yeah, I, I, oh, I've I been on the... Changes, I know he changes bad, but I, I'll, I'll put money on Pierce having a better year than Rodriguez. Now, it depends if you're in a beat-up Coolers League, and I use this joke when we talked about his signing, so I just wanted to give you a little taste of that beat-up-the-Coolers joke. Because, I mean, come on, he, he legitimately tried to go five rounds with that cooler. It was He deserves to be repeatedly clowned for it. It was it was too much there, Sean Rod. Chill. Um, all right, Jason, that's, that's going to cover it, unless any breaking news has come through while we were on here. Let me update. Oh, I do have a little bit. It's not, it's not signed, sealed, and delivered, but what do you think about Indians in talks with Edwin Encarnacion? Sure. I mean, they need a replacement for uh, Napoli. Yeah, because so, Napoli's uh, a free agent. Hey, um, as long as we keep Encarnacion away from Boston, I'm happy. Well, you just don't want that because you're a Rays fan. But for a fantasy, for somebody who's loved— I don't want it because I don't want it to cheer for—it's it's okay for me to cheer for Encarnacion. The, on the Jays. The, the, the uh, 144 times a year that he wasn't playing the Rays. But 
but if I he's on the Red Sox, it. no, I oh, I hear God. you, I hear you. I like I don't like having Red Sox players that I really like because I don't ever want to root for them. And the Yankees are about to build themselves back up into an evil empire, and then I'm going to have to go back to I'm going to have to hate Gary Sanchez and and Starlin Castro, my longtime boyfriend. I'm going to have to dump him completely because I can't be I can't be out here rooting for Yankees. Come on, it's easier when they suck. But if they get back to being awesome, then Masahiro Tanaka and I, we're done. We're done. All right, Jason, um, are you going to be available next Sunday? Next Sunday is uh, affirmative. Okay. Then I think we'll be back and ready to roll. Um, big podcast week. This is my third one of the day, so we're going to have plenty coming out this week. Eno and I may be back late in the week, um, depending on what happens at the winter meetings and his availability because he's out there. Uh, otherwise, you're still going to get three episodes during the week. He's out and then there drinking. He's out there drinking. He's out there getting lit for sure. Well, I went to a, I went to Grand Rapids. It has like one of the highest per capita brewery. Really? I never said that word. Oh, yeah. And I went to cool. one tonight. Um, Vivant Brewery Vivant on Cherry Street, which was awesome. It's a converted church temple. When I when um, I so lived, they left, it, they left it inside. They left the church temple structure on the outside and the inside. Oh, that's and really great food and beer. Great yeah, food and beer. When I lived in Michigan, it was not at a level where I could travel at all. So I, ne- I like I never really went around anywhere except the general vicinity of where my parents would take me in the greater Detroit area. So I've said, you know, I told people I've never been to Grand Rapids. Like, didn't you live in Michigan? I'm like, yeah, well, I left when I was 14. I didn't really get to travel around to things. So I know that Grand Rapids is a pretty decent place. And you're there regularly, right, with work? Uh, two or three times a year. I mean, yeah. I like this. I, I do like this city. Um, but uh, well, watch out for that god-awful snow. Yeah, I was well. I was hoping like the, there's a minor league hockey team here, but they're not playing tonight. I was looking for some college basketball area tonight. They're not playing, so it's like okay. Because um, like like this weekend, I went up Saturday. I flew up to Amherst to watch UCF beat uh, UMass on a last second three pointer when oh, the game was sweet, high dude. and they knocked a three. So yeah, it was cool to be able to. And I saw them play at Orlando on Wednesday, so I got to see two games this week, which was awesome. And they're six and one, and they've got their only losses to the number one team in the country they've got the 11th best rpi right now and they can't even crack the top 25 so i hate all of you basketball writers don't don't worry though you know it doesn't even start mattering until february and as long as they get in the dance we're not gonna be good by them we only have seven oh you think they're gonna fall off Oh God, they're gonna be so damn tired. Oh, okay. We've got a seven foot seven foot six center, but we only have seven scholarship players. We've got six guys that are sitting out that are transfers. Um, so yeah, we've got to have, we're having an awesome team next year. I was gonna say building for next middle. year though. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, hey, there's basketball corner. We didn't even do football corner, even though it's probably because your team lost. But my my uh, my my my, my Lions dominated. Both of my league, baby. You are. Well, yes, I am. It's because we're fantasy football experts, y'all. In both playoffs. Maybe next week we'll talk some playoffs then at the end of the show. For those of you that uh, don't like the football, you can end it at a certain point. But we're going to we're gonna have to because I'm in the playoffs as well. And we'll have to, uh, we'll have to see how it shakes number out. One, one of them, I, I think I'm number one and number two. By the way, seed. I don't say this to take away from you because similarly, like, I don't put a lot into it and I actually end up having success. This is why fantasy football is, like, not terribly skill-based. You can have fantasy football skill, but like, you don't put a ton into it, right? I put five minutes into it. Yeah, like you look at your lineup every week to make sure some pickups, and like it's kind of what I do. And I'm not sure I have my bye weeks covered. I don't know. My my point is, I'm not trying to. I like I like playing fantasy football. I just 
don't tell me it's it's better than fantasy baseball. That's all. No. That, that's my only point. All right, Jason. No. Have a good time in Michigan. We will talk in, in, in just under a week. Yep. <laughs>